Recorded live at Podfest Berlin, supported by Wonder Tax. Tax returns made easy. Uh, for those of you who have just arrived, is there anyone here who is just getting here to the festival just now? Yes! Oh, round of applause. Yes, for you. Right, amazing. And for those of you who have been here since Friday or Saturday or whatever, thank you for staying and being a part of this. Uh, my name's Dan. This is Podfest Berlin. Uh, I usually at this point say stay afterwards, but you're going to leave uh, after a drink or two. <laughs> Guys, come on in. This is one of my favorite podcasts in Berlin, Misinformed. We have some fans in the audience. We have some people who are new to the show. You're all going to have a great time. And you guys, you know, you can go all night. You know, we, you're, you're, you are closing the festival, which I believe is an honor in many realms. So without further ado, I introduce Misinformed. Thank you, Dan. Thanks so much, Dan. Yeah, we are misinformed. My name's Madvi. I'm Rina. And uh, our podcast keeps you informed about feminist matters in a kind of easy way. Um, last time we were here, we talked about women's voices in podcasting, society, and culture. And we were in a beautiful little room, but somehow we've ended up on the main stage, completely unjustified, but Dan, I'm never going into one of those rooms again. I like it here. A little intimidating, <laughs> admittedly, a little intimidating, but thank you everyone for coming, especially on a Sunday night. Thank you so much for being here. We're going to be talking about women and their bodies, or also just since we have a diverse audience, people and their bodies in different ways. And we do invite, we do like to share our platform, also because we don't have too much interesting to say ourselves and we think that you probably have really interesting things to say so we can start off the discussion but then we would encourage you to come and participate with us that's one of the really nice things about doing a podcast is communicating with other people so we can start the discussion actually what is your relationship with your body Rena, right now <laughs> So my relationship with my body is quite interesting because I have realized I'm getting older. Not necessarily old, just older. Um, I'm in my 30s now and there are some things that I'm kind of starting to notice like if I sleep weirdly, my neck kind of hurts or like if there's a pillow, you know, there's like a indentation on my face for like half of the day whereas when I was like 19, you know, like it'd be gone in 30 minutes or something. So I think I've entered an interesting phase with my body and also on a very, very personal note, like, you know, I've just stopped taking antidepressants and kind of a side effect of that is, you know, you gain weight, or at least I did, I don't know how it is for other people. And so I've really noticed my body changing. So I've arrived at this very, very, very complicated place with it where I see, you know, my metabolism isn't working as quickly as it once did. But also, I've been thinking about how my body does so much for me, and really all I do is kind of criticize it, and oh, this isn't working, or that's not the way I would like it to be, when in reality, my body is this like wonderful, beautiful thing that I should be nurturing and loving and, you know, treating with respect, and yet I'm so shit to it all of the time. And it's actually really terrible. So that's where I'm at right now with my <laughs> body. What about you, Madvi? Um, that's interesting. 
Yeah, there's a lot there. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I am at the point where I'm trying to center my body a lot. So I'm doing this thing where if somebody asks me to do something, I normally kind of say, yeah, or like I agree to a lot of things and I, you know, I'm over overdoing it sometimes. So now I stop and I think, am I tired? Do I really want to do this thing? Am I doing it just to please someone or just to fill, fulfill a societal expectation? And, and then I speak from that place. A really interesting thing, I'm also when you listen to your body and not try and repress these urges, interesting things happen. On Friday, I had a tango lesson and the tango teacher told me to like wait and wait for the guy to lead. And I was really trying my best. But at some point, I got so pissed off doing this. And not in my head, because I really want in my mind to be a good tango dancer. But this idea that I just have to wait for someone to push me around, basically... And I had felt this resistance coming up and this tension all the way, all the way here. And my partner felt it. And we had a massive argument as well over this entire thing. And they do say that, like, if you have any problems, you know, in your relationship or any, in general, in your, I mean, it's my problem, right? Um, It comes out on the dance floor. And that's really interesting, too, to see what comes up when you move, what feelings come up. I don't know if anyone dances, but, like, to really... If you take some time and space to feel what your body is telling you, it's giving you a lot of information. I really like that. You came here to talk about the body and you walk away with relationship advice. It's amazing. But I felt it in my body because I want to be a good tango dancer, but it was impossible because this anger overtook my body. And yeah, it's tied with emotions too. It's a very interesting relationship. You know what's really fascinating about that is I have tried to do that with my partner a couple of times, not tango dance, just kind of dance in like the living room. And I always insist on leading. I cannot follow. I don't understand why, why, like, first of all, he's incompetent. So clearly I should be the one leading. But that's, it's interesting because it gives you a lot of information. Yeah, your body gives you a lot of information. So we would like to talk to someone who, yeah, what is your relationship with your body has your body given you any information recently that's been surprising has your body taught you anything recently yeah feel free to just come on up have a seat grab a mic grab a mic and introduce yourself thank you i'm angelica or angelica because i come from colombia so i speak spanish i've been living in germany for 22 years And that means that I have experienced a lot with my body throughout all these years, living abroad, coming from another culture that treats the body in a different way or that dresses the body in a different way as we do in Berlin, for example, or even in any other part of Germany. So, um, yeah, it has been a very interesting journey. I came to Germany to study political science, but I've been ended up becoming a mom of two and becoming a, an image consultant and personal shopper, which is my job right now. So I work with bodies, <laughs> with um, 
female bodies. And with mine as well, because I've entered that life phase uh, called perimenopause. <laughs> so I, I am experiencing a lot of changes in my mind, in my bodies. I am trying to, to understand myself better because for all these years, I think um, till the pandemic started, I was thinking about everybody else but myself. And afterwards, I started finally focusing on myself in every kind of aspect, or I try at least, and then I've become more aware about changes and body and how I can love myself and my body. What is the relationship between the perimenopause and the connection between your mind and your body? It's a roller coaster every day because it's um, like a hormonal cocktail all the time. <laughs> Actually, I, I started getting interested, uh, interested in the topic because of one of your episodes two years ago, I don't know. So, and everyone was talking to me like, no, you're not in the perimenopause. You're too young for that. To that time, I was 38. Now I'm 40. And two months ago, my gynecologist told me like, hey, welcome to the perimenopause. And I was like, yay, I went to karaoke and celebrated with my perimenopause friends that I entered the club. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a very, very weird thing, really, because I'm experiencing, like, changes, like, I, I gain weight very easily right now, for instance. I've been, like, eating all summer long <laughs> because I have a lot of uh, visitors at my place, family coming from Colombia and so on, and I can see how quickly I can gain gain weight right now, or I see how easily I can get anxious, or how easily I can sleep bad, like really bad, or how easily random parts of my body ache, mm -hmm. or how weird my period has become. Yeah, but it, it, it's, it's more like a struggle mentally and emotionally. Because sometimes, I mean, I didn't uh, have a very strong PMS, premenstrual syndrome, till like two years ago. It took me a lot of time till I realized, oh, okay, I'm bleeding soon. But before that, I was like crazy. And now I know, okay, I realize, okay, I'm, I'm feeling like this. I'm in a very bad mood, so I go to my husband and tell him, like, beware. <laughs> this week, it's going to be tough, probably. So, um, and I told him, like, I'm going to do him a chart of all the, <laughs> the period uh, phases so he can better understand what I'm going through. Yeah, that's really useful, actually, because I also started tracking my cycle and I realized that... I'm really creative in certain phases. I'm very social mm -hmm. in certain phases. And then I started planning my my life around my mm -hmm. body mm -hmm. a bit more. And mm -hmm. it's really useful. But I did want to touch on the weight thing. Yes. Because you mentioned it. And you yes. mentioned it. And as women, we put our value, mm -hmm. a lot of our value, mm -hmm. in with our weight. Even if we 
don't want to and we know we're feminists and we're like fuck it this is our bodies it's hard to get rid of the culture and our social mm -hmm, conditioning mm -hmm, and stuff yeah. how how are you feeling about the weight i, I tried not to f to focus that much on that anymore before when i was younger like in my 20s and after having my first kid everyone's like you have to lose weight or go to the gym or whatever and I put this pressure on myself which was not very uh, healthy I didn't actually get mad about that like with I mean I, I did very like many diets in my life <laughs> but I was not that serious but it it was for me like I didn't feel good when For instance, my mom was the one who was telling me like, hey, you have to lose weight a little bit. Or uh, for instance, in Colombia, there's this kind of tradition after birth. Women tend to wear this kind of skims mm. uh, or, you know, like uh, body shape. Yeah, like shapewear. But the ones you uh, wear after aesthetic surgeries like very tight ones, in order for your belly to get back again as soon as possible. And after my first child, I started doing that like after a week of, uh, of uh, childbirth. And then I, I said like, no, I'm not going to do this. And then with my second child, I, I did that like for two days. It was in winter. And I was sweating so much because of the hormones uh, going crazy and all that stuff that I, I just left it. And uh, I found them actually like this week because I, I was changing my wardrobe and, and I, I am going to throw them away. I mean, they were pretty expensive, but I don't care. I, I'm, I'm not going to do anything with that. So I try not to put pressure on myself right now. I know that I gained weight now. Uh, because I was very thin till May. And I, I can say, honestly, I don't like when uh, the trousers are way too tight, like right now. <laughs> But I don't care. I am not going to get crazy about that anymore. There are two interesting things, and you can pick which one you want to talk about. One is, I mean... I want to know more about Colombia and Colombian culture and how it differs in terms of like, you know, German culture and how your body was different in two different cultures. Mm -hmm. That's one question. And then the other one, you can answer both if you like, it's up to you. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is because you work with mothers as a stylist who are going back into the office, that's really interesting. They might have put on weight. I kind of want to know a bit about how people dress or decorate their bodies as a form of being read or interpreted in society. Why do they hire you and what are their concerns and what are they trying to express through their dress and how they look? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the first question was about the differences between... Colombia. Colombia and Germany. Like, I come from the Caribbean coast, so everyone is wearing very little things or light uh, clothes because of the heat and the humidity, which is crazy. 
So many people, they care a lot about how they look like. And I was like that as, as well. I think I'm a little bit, I'm still a little bit like that. But since I, have, I live here, I don't put that much pressure on myself anymore. And it's very interesting because when I'm here, people are like, oh, you look so nice and always so well-dressed. And, you know, like, my friends are like, every time you want to, to have a nice outfit, ask Angelica. She will know. Or once <laughs> one of them told my mom, like, I don't know, we met at my place for brunch or something like that. And uh, they, they were all wearing dresses and all so nice looking. And one of them told my mom, like, yeah, I had to wear this because when you are with Angelica, you cannot be something else. And I was like, okay, I don't want to feel anybody else, like, you know, uh, weird or, or I don't know. So when I'm there, I see all these girls perfectly dressed and the hair is with blower ups and all that stuff. Things that I used to do and now every time I go there, I am like the, the less decorated, lesser than then, but still enough. But I, I'm like, oh my God, what I've become. <laughs> But I still like myself like that. I, I know that I don't have to put off with them to, um, to look good or to feel good. So I'm like relaxed with that. I know that whatever I dress, this is going to sound very, I don't know, weird, but I, I know that I, I know my style. I know what suits me. So I know very well that whatever I'm going to wear, it's going to be right, and it's going to look good. So I don't put any pressure anymore, and uh, I don't care anymore if my hair is fully straight, like er everyone's hair there. I just go out as it is, and it's okay for me. My mom sometimes looks like, oh my god, why don't you straight your hair? And I was like, hey, this is too hot for straightening my hair. Straight hair thing is a whole other that, that, Yeah, it's thing. especially in our country. Well, it, also in India, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the straight hair thing, and then it's to do, there's yeah. a lot of racism. Yeah, because I would say like half of our people has curly hair because the African heritage, which is very beautiful. I mean, I, I always tell my cousins and also my mom, like one of my dreams for my hair was to have an afro. <laughs> this mm -hmm. is impossible with this hair. But uh, I remember once I was a floor girl when I was like seven, and I slept the whole night with these curlers in order for me to get some kind of an afro. And I was so, <laughs> so happy with that the next day for the, for the wedding. <laughs> but I, I cannot have it. So, but I, I, I found them so beautiful. And I don't understand why people should change the way their hair looks just because of any social rule. Since we just hit on this topic and it's, I think it's about the body being political. I mm -hmm. mean, the body is always political. Mm -hmm. And this for me, I mean, it has to do with race 
and ideas of civilization, actually, I think, with the straight hair. Mm. Does anyone have any experiences or anything to say along these lines? Like when you realize that something was political about your body? Ah, yeah. oh, cool. No, please come, come, come up. Grab the mic. Hello. Hi. Welcome. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, hi. I'm Ohani. Okay, so I am Malaysian, but I'm also South Asian. <laughs> it's a long story, but uh, it happens in Asia. And so here in Europe, my whole body is considered regular and normal, but Growing up in Malaysia, I was a very large, also fat, uh, young kid, although I looked like this. And I have, I don't actually, because I know that nowadays the bum is considered beautiful, but growing up, it wasn't, and I had a little bit of a bum. If you know other Malaysians, we're not known for asses, right? And so I, my whole body was sort of like, a, I was just wrong mm. at home. And also the color of my skin, which again, what I know being in Europe, it's like, oh, it's so, it's a nice little brown color. You look toasted, all of that. But back home, <laughs> as a kid who was also a swimmer, I was uh, very brown, I love the color now, but back then it was not a pretty color. And because my mom and dad were of two different colors, people would actually, my dad was dark. He was a dark-skinned Indian man. And, and so they would actually come up to me, uh, to my family, and look at us, the children, and be like, oh, they're cute, such a pity that they look like the father. They took the father's color. And you're just like, I'm right here, right? Like, <laughs> So it was a lot of unlearning, actually, when I moved to any, any other part of the world. <laughs> like, and especially to Europe, it was uh, unlearning everything I learned about my body and relearning or sort of discovering what it is really mm. amazing. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I completely feel you. I, I come from India. We have the same light-skinned, dark-skinned thing. Funny story, my dad is a Sri Lankan where they're very dark-skinned. They just are. And uh, when we went to Sri Lanka, we were looking at the matrimonials page uh, every single day in the newspaper. <laughs> and, and what happens is the parents actually put an advert in for their, their children. And every single one, yes, it's not only Colombia that is a funny country. Um, every single one said, I'm searching for a husband for my fair-skinned daughter, searching for a wife for my fair-skinned boy. And I was like, I have been in this country for three weeks. I haven't seen one fair-skinned person. But everyone looking for a husband or wife for their, the for their child. <laughs> yeah. But I do have a question for you. Which is, it's really cool when you move cultures and then you, you realize the politicization. But then does your body get politicized in Berlin in another way? Oh, eh. <laughs> Define what exactly you mean by this. Do you get fetishized? Do you get racism? I mean, obviously, yes, because <laughs> we've all experienced this. 
You know, though, I, I think when I first moved to Berlin, I also was really delving into this whole racism thing and getting fetishized. And and at, at some point, it just um, I just didn't want that to be my story. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I don't care anymore. I <laughs> Because if I get any indication that this is what you're after, I'm out. I'm not there to talk about I'm not here to educate you. <laughs> Do your thing, sir. It's just not going to be with me. So the answer is yes. It's a different kind of people noticing me differently. However, it's still less than what I used to get. So I think that's a win. <laughs> and, and also, I can walk around Berlin with not even a glimmer of a smile on my face. And, <laughs> and that's wonderful because also back in Malaysia, I do not, I'm basically not a good Asian woman. <laughs> I am the opposite of what all good Asian women should be. I am tall. I am opinionated. I, <laughs> I, there's so many things. I, I don't bother to dress a certain way. You got to make your hair. That's a real thing, the hair thing. And so here I can not smile. I can wear these things and it's fine. And I really enjoy that. So there are people like this out there who are looking for Asians or whatever, but that's, that's this tiny little portion and yeah, it doesn't bother me now. It used to, but not anymore. I think that answered the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm stuck on, uh, I am not a good Asian woman. I'm like, this is a book, and can you write it? Yeah. <laughs> I have a question. Did your style of dress change when you moved here? Yes, but also, I think that my inner self always just kind of enjoyed this outfit, but I didn't... I, eh, you know, you got to wear the heels and the dresses and stuff back home. And as soon as I realized I didn't have to, like, people think I look washed out because I don't wear makeup back home. And they're all like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm actually, <laughs> like, I'm really good. And I even had a friend tell me that I was brave because I, I can come out in whatever I'm wearing. <laughs> Thanks, friend. <laughs> but yes. Uh, <laughs> Doesn't sound like a good friend. Yeah, friend. <laughs> Acquaintance. Person I know in passing. Cool. Thank Not you. that bad. It's, it does have good points. Sorry. <laughs> Go visit Malaysia. Asia's good. I love Malaysia. Thank you so much uh, for you. sharing. Does anyone else want to speak about their relationship with their body, their culture, or... Uh, yeah, come, have the mic. These seats are super comfortable. They're more comfortable than those seats. They're very comfy, yeah. Hi, I'm Anna. Hi. Yeah, I had so many realizations from what Angelica shared and what Ohana shared. I'm from the Philippines, so neighbors, right? And I, I feel an intersection of feelings from... Angelica, you talked about aging, so I'm in my 40s. I'm in the stage where I'm like... Can I just get it over with? Can I just be old already? Because I don't know where to put myself. I don't know where to fucking put myself. You know, on one hand, I'm like, whoa, this looks scary. This is like twilight. On the other hand, and then, and then it's like, I'm not ready to let go of all the fun stuff or all the adventure stuff. 
So that, that was one thing, but I also can totally relate with what Ohana was saying about there's certain expectations of you as an Asian woman, mm. uh, right? And then all of a sudden you move to this country where it's like, damn, some people look like, some people are really, really dressed, some people look like they just came from their bed and got into the Uban, which is great. I mean, that's, that's the other thing about this city, right? So... I find myself trying to figure out where I fit in or where I can assert myself and where my body, how to present myself in this body, in this new place. Coming from all of the, all of the things that I grew up with as a Filipino woman. I'm not a good Asian woman either, man. I mean, who is? According, my mother would like, she would be appalled. <laughs> We can make this an anthology. I'm an editor. Yeah. Let's, let's do this. Let's do this. I'm also yeah. a bad Asian woman. It sounds like another podcast. Yeah. The Bad Asian Woman Podcast. Exactly. What, what my, I'm just doing the exact opposite of my mother, what everything that my mother told me I should be. But that's the other thing, right? About where do I put myself? And I think also here in Europe, there's much more wiggle room for experimenting with, with who I can be at this life stage. Because in Philippines, at least, it's much more stratified. Okay, you auntie la, you go over there la. All the aunties in one place. And then all the, the younger girls will be sitting in talking about boyfriends and sex and stuff. And the aunties will be talking about tea and coffee and perimenopause. <laughs> I feel that it's much more fluid here, in Europe at least, or in Berlin, so that helps in not boxing me in, but it also presents a lot of questions for me in terms of, okay, where can I be? Because still a struggle is, God, if I'm just gonna be old, can I do it already? So I know how to act this age or this stage versus being awkward. It's like being a teenager all over again. Mm. But I don't have pimples. No, I do right now, sorry. But <laughs> You know, that is one of the biggest scams of growing older. Sorry, completely off topic. Yeah. I thought that when I became an adult, the pimples would stop. No, they don't. They never stop. No, they don't. They don't. What is that all about? Well, I've realized that it's me not cleaning my phone. So <laughs> because I, I have them on my chin. I refuse I mean, to believe here. that. I will not take responsibility. <laughs> for That's my at least it's my 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 own thing. I need to, like, yeah, think about how I, I sleep next to my phone and it hits my chin. Oi. <laughs> <laughs> Is that much more? Yeah, forgiving ex uh, explanation, at least. I love it how we went from a really, like, where do I put myself <laughs> existential crisis to, so the thing about pimples and my phone, uh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> skincare advice. Earlier it was relationship advice. Now it's skincare yeah. advice. Well, this is the thing. The body is so many. Yeah. There are so many little factors mm. uh, and so many things. And yeah, that is a societal thing. Like I know in this body, in a young body, where I belong in society and what I'm supposed to do. And I know in the really old body what I am in society and what mm. I'm supposed to do. And yeah, you're right. This middle age is a very interesting. Uh, twilight zone and yeah and you're somewhere between like i just don't give a fuck mm -hmm. and oh but i'm like powerful still you know like i have i don't know i mean that's how i feel like quite powerful so we're fucking bulletproof and i miss yeah. that i mean but i had an easier time telling myself that when i was 25 i'm fucking bulletproof 
And you can see that when I get up in the morning, coming from, what, going home at 7 a.m., not getting up, whatever, right? You could feel that. I could feel it in every part of my life. Now I have to kind of drill that into me, right? And it's, it's a little ironic because I've gone through so much shit that I am fucking bulletproof, right? <laughs> so right when I've amassed all this, a lot of us, right, all the shit that we've gone through and all the things that we've survived and our life experience can actually tell us that we are impervious, that we will get up again, but it's harder to, to tell yourself that every morning, mm. if that makes sense. Totally. Complete sense. <laughs> Thank you. I'm not alone. <laughs> but I think that's another, sorry, complete side note. I think it's another habit of women. Have you seen this meme where it's like a woman after she said like the most coherent, clear, and amazing thing ever? Does that make sense? <laughs> and I just did that. Exactly. <laughs> when everything you said was, you know, profound, amazing, and spectacular, and yet... Yeah, so there. I could go on and on, but thank you to your sharing and for opening this up. I mean, I saw different parts of my own experience coming together. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I saw a hand go up in the back there. Do you want to come? Hi. Hello. Do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Kate. Hi, Kate. Hello. Hi, Kate. Hi. Um, yeah, I was also seeing myself in, in what everyone has been sharing. And so I also wanted to pick up on something that has come across a few times. One, definitely, I think in all these English-speaking podcasts, you have a lot of immigrant experiences, right? So across in the cultures. So that I thought was really interesting to think about. But the other one was connecting to older generation. And I think also with age, you know, we learn, oh no, we are our parents. And um, I guess more and more, I'm just coming to terms with how much specifically my mom has informed my own relationship with my body you know, like bigger things, <laughs> for better and worse, of course, but bigger things, and, and also smaller things, like I see in her routine, you know, like in how I learned how to take care of my body, are lots of things I learned from her, and I just took for granted for so many years. Like what, for example? Like the brands she uses, like skincare, how often you, like really literal things, practical things. Uh, <laughs> but then, you know, I also, and, and things that I still, you know, uh, even practice and do, um, but at the same time, now I'm realizing, like, some things that I have taken distance from, you know, and I see my mom, for example, really struggling with aging and being an aging body, and I'm always being like, Mom, you know, relax, like, you know, it's fine, like, just own your age, blah, blah, blah. So I hope that I can... <laughs> grow and, and, you know, one day be her age and, and feel a bit more at ease with it. But I also don't know. I don't know how you guys feel about that. But yeah, so basically, <laughs> just basically realizing my own relationship with my body is much to do with my mom and how I was raised. And in which ways is she struggling? Well, luckily, I don't think anyone here knows my mom, but um, my mom finds it hard to share her age with even people in her own, who people, she knows, right? Like a lot of her colleagues, now she's retired from her main job, she's kind of trying to start a new career, but wouldn't know her exact age. Yeah, aging is so, <laughs> such a shameful thing for a woman. Mm -hmm. It's like weight as well, such a shameful thing. Yeah. And I have the same thing, because I'm like getting gray hairs, mm -hmm. and like absolutely politically, 
Like, I'm like, I'm not going to die. But of course, I'm like, yeah, but actually, I do want to. <laughs> but no, but yes, you know, there's, there's all that stuff going on. Yeah. And I also wanted to ask you, do you have any skincare tips to <laughs> share? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, keep it simple. It's funny. My sister is really into, like, the 15-step, like, Korean skincare vibe. It's too much. It's, it's too much. Too much. <laughs> <laughs> Who has the yeah. time? Or like I, I get mixed up and do them in the wrong order. No, I, I no, no, no. Really, like uh, face wash, serum, blah, blah. But like I am victim as well to marketing and stuff like that too. Like, is eye cream necessary? You know, like some days I think it is, and other days I'm like, oh, it's complete bullshit. You know, like <laughs> so no. We are sold so much. Yeah. We are giving the insecurities mm -hmm. and then sold so much. Of course. Sunblock, yes, I'm finally... So that is actually a great... I have to say a great influence of my mom. She is telling me to wear a sunblock for years. And as a teenager, you know, I was trying to bake myself in the sun. And um, about a few years ago, I was like, you know, she's right. Damn it. <laughs> and so I have been trying to wear it ever since, but... Yeah, that's, I guess, the, the main rule. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Does anyone else have any A, skincare tips, <laughs> B, something to say about their relationship with a body? If you're a guy, that would be super interesting. Or if you're in a queer body or marginalized body, that would be super interesting to hear because... We all know about how the patriarchy influences women's bodies, but not so much. Well, we also know about men, but like it's nice to hear from men once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or what your body has taught you, or if we just want to hear more about mad Colombian shit. <laughs> you want to come up here and share it? We were talking about aging. I can tell a little bit of an anecdote from the last vacations in, in Italy. We were at the beach in this Cinque Terre region, which is so beautiful. And I was so amazed when we were at the beach. And my favorite thing to do all those three days we were there was watching the older people, the older women and the older men, but most of all, the older women because they, there was so much pride. You know, they were wearing, all of them, a bikini. They were 80 or 70. You could see their skins, like, mm. hanging. <laughs> but they were so beautiful because they were owning it. You could tell they were owning it. They were in these amazing bikinis with these amazing sunglasses, with this amazing hair. And some of them were very thin, some of them were bigger. And people in Latin, uh, I mean, like the, the generation of my mom would never wear a bikini, never. But those women would. And I just observed them and I thought to myself, that is what I want to do. I don't want to hide myself when I am older. I don't feel older. I am 40. I just turned 40 in May. And I don't feel older. I always tell to my friends or to people, this is my age and don't mind that. I am like a teen mom <laughs> in my head. <laughs> 
a conscious one, but I think if you stay young in here, you're going to age very well. I see myself still like going out with my friends, not every time, but at least having dinner or when we are in Colombia, having fun till, I don't know, four in the, in the, in the morning. This is how we in my city celebrate Christmas, for example. We don't go to bed like here at nine <laughs> on, on Christmas Eve. We go to bed like, uh, I don't know, if the party uh, turns out very well, like at four. <laughs> I like what you said about the women and like how they they're just like this is my body and this idea of like our bodies are really strong mm -hmm. and especially as women who have children and things like mm -hmm. that I don't have children but you do mm -hmm. and I just wondered it's devastating to me to hear that after you had a child the week after you were wearing this thing but like why don't we celebrate that and why isn't there pride and you've just done an amazing you've just pushed a yeah. fucking human being out of your vagina that, that, I think for like, me that was one of the reasons I stopped doing that and not only because it was very uncomfortable because you were like pressed in there but also because I had done so much. <laughs> I mean, my body had, had done so much. I mean, I didn't even uh, know how to press, and it still got a child out. Tell us more. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very long story about uh, the first childbirth, so I'm not going to do that. But uh, really, it's like this guy went out of myself, like by himself, because I was too tired to, to push. I was like for three days in uh, labor. And so, then devastating that yeah. you did such an amazing thing mm -hmm. and, then, and then you wear this yeah. thing. And too. now I have this friend and she's thinking of going right away to sports or whatever or thinking about how her body is going to look like. And I'm, I'm like, look, just rest, just Focus on your well-being, and your well-being is here and here, not somewhere else. Take your time. Ah, one of the stories after childbirth was also, I was in Colombia for three months with my child, with my baby, and my husband. And my mom told me, like, I mean, my mom is a very good person, <laughs> and a very, very uh, good woman, and she's aging perfectly, and, and I love her so much, and I, I wouldn't be here if it wouldn't have been for her. But this is like this traditional mentality we have maybe in these countries, which are, are also very Americanized. Mm -hmm. So it, like all the lead comes from the global north, even though our bodies are different, our hair is different. You know, our, our, our culture is different. We are so mixed and all that stuff, but we still follow that. I mean, I used to, I don't do that anymore. Even here in Berlin, that's also one of the things I like so much about living in Berlin because I used to live in the southern, the south of Germany, in Bavaria, and there people are completely different than here. So yeah, uh, I was there with my child, with my baby. He was like five or six months old. And my mom was like, how about a personal trainer? And I was, okay, let's do that. I was doing kickboxing with that person <laughs> who was a man. After my second child, I had also a, a personal trainer. 
but this time it was a woman, a much younger woman, and she was very much aware what I needed and what I didn't need, and that I liked that very, very much, and what I did was Pilates, uh, which was very soft for my body and all that stuff, and it was the very first time I heard since I became a mom that you need nine months to, you know, to have a child, but you also need nine months for your body to get some kind of back in shape as it was before maybe, <laughs> you know? So after that, I didn't put any pressure on myself anymore. So. Thank you for sharing. Mm. Another top tip, since that's what we're doing now, is pelvic floor exercises. Yes. Does literally, does anyone want to talk about their pelvic floor? <laughs> <laughs> it's really important. Or does anyone want to talk about exercise and how that plays into your relationship with your body? Mm. I can kick off the conversation about exercise in the body because I was incredibly sporty when I was younger, which when people know me now, they find very hard to believe. But when I was young, I was really into running. I used to do gymnastics. I figure skated. Up until about like middle school, I was super sportive. And then when I hit puberty and my body started to change, I couldn't run as quickly anymore. Like the shape of my body physically changed. I developed hips and boobs and I got slower. And it was a really, really, I don't know, sad moment for me because up until that point, I really enjoyed sports and I felt so betrayed by my own body. This is really interesting because I think Women's bodies are normally cast as, you know, we're the weaker sex, but it does amazing things, our bodies. And there was a really good campaign, this is capitalism, but I think Always did it, like Run Like a Girl. But yeah, you saw like these little kids, these these little kids were asked like, how does a girl run? And all the little, the really small kids were like, like, yeah, I run really fast or whatever. Like there was no difference between the boys and the girls. They were just go. And then they were asked a bit older, like how do girls run? And because of this gender shit, all the girls were like, oh, you know, I run like, a, like it's oh, a bit slower, a bit weaker. And I think a lot of that stuff, it's, put on us yes our bodies change but they're changing also in really strong ways and then yeah our ideas of strength yeah. are masculine strength it's not you know there's where's our definition of, of the female body and and strength and that yeah when i was younger i had really really short hair when i was about four or five years old, my mom took me to the hairdresser and she asked me how I wanted my hair cut and I said I wanted it really, really short. And I think the hairdresser like second guessed me. She was like, are you sure you want this? And I was like, yes. So I got a really very short hair. Everyone thought I was a boy. And I used to love to play kickball out on the field for those of you who know what kickball is it's essentially like baseball just with a you kick the ball it's pretty straightforward and I came to realize it was because I was friends with boys and I wanted to be like them so I cut my hair short I have to say one of the things that I absolutely am very proud of looking back now is that my mother never tried to tell me what to wear how to cut my hair 
what like activities to you know do. She never commented on my body. She never told me what to eat. That's not true. She told me to eat vegetables, but I feel like that's pretty normal to want your kid to be healthy. But other than that, like there was no policing of anything in any way, shape, or form. So as a kid, I was like, ah, all my friends are boys. I want to have short hair. I want to look like them. But I think what's interesting is your mother maybe didn't ask you that, but the hairdresser... The hairdresser did, yeah. ...asks to you, are you sure? Yeah. And this is the problem as women. We know our bodies. We know what we want. Polish elections today, we were also talking about, you know, because in Poland then they no access to abortion because, you know, a bunch of men think that they know better. And we're... Even if you want an abortion, you have to like go through some psychological test and and say it three times. And it's like, trust us when we say we want something or we say we're strong. Yeah, and I think that's that is part of honoring your body, you know, like feeling it, yeah. first of all. And for me, I think that was the first moment. Like at the time, I don't think it registered like this, but that was the first time I realized like my body is political as a woman or your body, everyone feels like they have an opinion on it. Yes, I'm young, but I walked in there with my mother and told her I want short hair. Why are you second guessing me? It's the first moment when I realized, ah, yeah, for the rest of your life, people are going to have opinions on your body and they're going to tell you them to your face. Or how you look like, or how you dress, because one of the things that shocked me a little bit, or a lot, When I started working in Germany after university, where like the dress codes, for example, for going to a, to a job interview, I used to work in the uh, political uh, environment. And I remember when I finished university, I went to a workshop about how to present yourself at a job interview by the Arbeitsagentur. <laughs> And I was very shocked when they told us that the thing to do when you go to a job interview is to wear a white shirt and a black blazer. And for me, it was like, there's no way I'm going to wear that because first of all, that's not me. Mm. Second of all, that are, those are not my colors. <laughs> really not. Like, my, my colorimetry is warm, <laughs> autumn, for the ones who know about that. So it's, it's like not being myself. Why should I do that? I mean, yeah, you have to present yourself in a way that it matches kind of to the job you're going to uh, present yourself for. But uh, still, you, you still need to be as... As, how do you call it? Um, true to yourself? Yes. So I never wore that. I always went in with feminine shirts and brown or earthy tones. And I got my jobs. But I was truth to myself. And that's a thing I am also trying to teach the people I work with, my clients, to be true to themselves as, a, as women Because one of the things I've realized here is that some women, in order for them to feel accepted in the, at their jobs, they, that they need to look like men or like to wear in certain colors or to wear certain pieces which are not them. Yeah, and I think that's really great. Um, mm -hmm. 
that we we do that and we try and remain true to ourselves but also the truth is like we get punished for that sometimes as well in certain certain ways does anyone else want to say anything you asked me before about women and their bodies when i work with them as a image consultant and why they ask me to go to them i work with women who go back to the office after the first year with a baby, for example, or with other mothers who maybe didn't really take the time to care about themselves the way they would like to. For example, I have had uh, clients, they wanted to get back to the job and look that, like themselves before having a baby or, or just to feel like themselves in order for them to gain this self-respect and self-confidence they had before, but also in order for them to show their authority. I had this um, client who was afraid to go back to office after childbirth because she was working with all white men <laughs> and she felt that she was looking very young for her age and her position in the company. So we worked on that. We, we worked with more blazers and with certain lines, also according to her body shape. But what I do with them is mostly for them to, to take a time for themselves, to get to know themselves first. Who am I? What do I like right now? How does my body look like right now? And cherish that. The status quo, because it, some people can think, okay, I, I look like a mess, but they just need time for themselves. Yeah, you we talked about I mean? that mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago. Amanda Montai released a book called Touched Out mm -hmm. and about the loss of identity when you become a mother because mm -hmm. you give your body in service of another body <laughs> and you're also, you lose your identity, really. You stop working. You don't have any time to dedicate to yourself. All of your, your body is just in service of other people. And so I can really imagine that they need to refine their identity again themselves after just giving over. And also what's interesting about the book is she says, you know, our society encourages women to give themselves over without any boundaries and they lose their boundaries. And without any boundaries, you know, we don't have a, a defined body. We don't have a defined sense of identity. If our body melts into your body and you can take whatever you want from me at any point, it's really interesting. So I can see how that is needed and it's a really nice approach I think you have rather than just being like oh just dress like this that's not the thing yeah it's such no, a good approach it's, it's really about getting them to know themselves first of all you take your time for yourself which you don't really have <laughs> you really have to negotiate for your time because it's it's hours of work with the, the uh, these women and what we do together is to realize, okay, how does my lifestyle look like? What do I do? What do I like? What is my personality? How do I move? How do I remember or be aware of who you are? Then be aware of your body shape because it might sound 
trivial stuff, but it's not. I mean, if you know your body shape and you know which kind of uh, shapes or silhouettes enhance your, your body type, then you're going to look better and you're going to feel better in your clothes. And then if you also know which kind of color palette enhances your light, your natural light, it's going to enhance everything. <laughs> so when you see yourself in the mirror with all these slight changes, there is like a, an aha moment Mm. which has no, this, this is so priceless. I think one thing that you said is really important is time because mothers don't have time and we don't take time to, to honor our bodies and think about our bodies, which is why I think we have this conversation today. And also what I was saying is like, if you create space and time to center the body, because obviously in our world, you know, we're rushing everywhere. We're trying to fit our bodies into everyone else's schedules all the time. And yeah, to create some space and some slowness to feel yourself in your body is, is really, really important. So thank you very much for sharing your views and taking thank part. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much, Dan, yes, for giving us this stage. And thank you to everyone at PodFest been an honor and thank you to the audience thank you everyone for coming out so late <laughs> on a sunday evening thank you for taking the time good night